It's about confidence. It's about courage. It's about what lights you up. It's about igniting your inner badass. Welcome back to another episode of the Ignite Your Inner Badass podcast. I'm your host, Marta Kagan, and I am thrilled that you join me for a special episode with a very special badass, Zoe Levine of The Thriving Body. Now, Zoe is a longtime dancer and movement educator whose mission is to help people eliminate chronic pain, improve performance, and feel whole again, even through tough transitions like birth or surgery or cancer treatment treatment or just getting older. <laughs> She's the creator of the Strong as a Mother postnatal fitness program. Totally dig that name. And as founder of The Thriving Body, she teaches live programs and workshops in Denver and New York and also works with clients privately all over the country via Skype. So he's also a wife, a mother of two, and in my humble opinion, a genuine badass on so many levels. Today she's going to share with us a very deep, scary, vulnerable, and surprising story. And so please welcome, joining us from her home in Denver, Colorado, Zoe Levine. Hey, Zoe. Hi, Marta. I'm so happy that you're joining us today and so grateful that you're willing to share this remarkable story with my listeners. So thank you again. But before we jump into that deep, scary, vulnerable stuff that I mentioned, I thought I would share a few fun facts about you, if that's okay. That would be great. Three things that you probably won't find out about Zoe online. Uh, She was a professional dancer in New York City for over a decade and has participated in helping organize several flash mobs in New York City. So like if you're the kind of person that wants to create an amazing life-changing flash mob for a friend or loved one in New York City, Zoe has a resource for you. Zoe's also a big fan of having a swing in her office, although you don't have one, do you? It's it's something you work for. I I don't know. This is something, it's a jealous sort of thing. A good friend of mine who's a body worker and rolfer in New York City, she has an amazing swing in her Brooklyn office. And yeah, there's just nothing like it. It's amazing. I'm so jealous. (laughs) And then last but not least, you recently earned the nickname Spirit Dancer on an ice climbing adventure in Vail. Just briefly tell us how you earned that nickname. What's that about? Um... Well, I think they all, they all were making fun of me in the way I always volunteered to go first when we were climbing up the ice, mostly because I was terrified and just wanted to get it over with. (laughs) Um, and they kind of teased me for being so graceful coming down the mountain. And I think as they got to know me over, over our time together. So at first it was just dancers. Like you can't just nickname me dancer because I, that's just what I am. And so they finally, by the, after they got to know me after a few days, they're like, Oh, I got it. Your spirit dancer. Um, uh, just as a little bit more to kind of nod to, yeah, who I am and how I work and how I see the world a little bit. So that was fun. That's awesome. That, that does. I think that's a fitting name for you. Yeah. I approve. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy part about that last fun fact though, is that this ice climbing adventure where you literally hiked up like a vertical wall of ice, right. With just like mm-hmm. picks on your boots oh, and yeah. little hammers mm-hmm. or picks or whatever they're called was technically a cancer treatment. At least you described it that way, which sounds completely loony to me, but I know you're going to tell us about that Mm -hmm. as we talk about your story. So 
that's kind of a convenient segue, like how I did that, (laughs) (laughs) to dive into the deep, scary, vulnerable stuff. And to do that, if you don't mind, I'm going to share just a small excerpt from an email I got from you on February 25th, when, where I first learned that this was your experience. Okay. So here's what the first few paragraphs read. Dear Marta, I have a deep, scary, vulnerable, and probably a very surprising story to share. One that I've been hiding for a long time, but I want to share it with you now because I finally come to the other side of it and I have gifts to share. I was diagnosed with stage four colorectal cancer in August, 2017, and spent the following year in the throes of the insanity that is cancer treatment, all while running a practice called The Thriving Body. And then this part, Zoe, I think was so representative of why, one of the reasons why you win a badass label with the capital B is how you described this whole situation as like a really bad joke or that's how it seemed, right? Mm-hmm. Spending this entire year so far away from the idea of a thriving body, which is the name of your business. But meanwhile, yourself being physically broken down again and again through the treatment and multiple surgeries and on top of the fact that you're really rather young and live a really healthy lifestyle and have no family history of this sort of thing. Yep. Right. Yeah. So when I read that, I was like, okay, this is bananas because I had started working with you maybe six months prior to that, mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. sometime last year. Yeah. Um, never in a million years would I have thought that you had just gone through this. Um, and one of the things that strikes me as so remarkable, remarkable about you and why, again, I think the badass label is so fitting is you have this like it's almost like I I would call you like a natural healer. (laughs) Like you have this way, even though you're in Denver and I'm in Boston and we work together just through Skype sessions on kind of strong as a mother stuff. And you have this ability to just see the tiniest little changes in body alignment or how I'm breathing or whatever. It's like you have this, I don't know, intuitive magic or something. Talk a little bit about how you kind of got to be intuitive in the mind-body thing, and then let's talk about how you handled the news coming out of that and and treatment and so forth. Sure. I've been a dancer since I was young, and I've been teaching movement since college, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So I came into this with just a very embodied sense, and you know, sometimes I, I think this was a lesson for me and how that's not the only thing in the world, you know, to exist in a body that, you know, I am not my body, but, um, I think the, the, because there's so much of cancer treatment that just destroys you. And, you know, if you stay hyper present the whole time, it's, it's a little bit much, but, um, I mean, my whole life I've been fascinated by the human body studying it. Um, I know you thought it was funny that for fun in Arizona, I used to just go to the mall when I was bored, not to shop, but to just to watch people. Maybe that's why I love New York City so much. But um, yeah, just to watch people and notice how they move. And I, I would al- always kind of put myself into their, you know, people say, put yourself into someone else's shoes. I feel like I, one of my superpowers is, is, is that I feel like I can put myself into someone else's body and kind of feel what that must feel mm-hmm. like. And that's what, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's why the virtual sessions work so well. Um, 
because I can kind of get inside there and feel like, oh, that seems like this is a little bit tight. Just based on what I see and from watching bodies forever, from experiencing my own body at a very deep level forever, um, in a million different formats, I've always seeked out movement-based, um, studies and learning. So how did you spirit dance your way through, you know, the news, um, the whole diagnosis process and the treatment process, and at the same time, manage to still, you know, help others with their pain and, and take care of yourself at the same time? Like, talk me through how that, that crazy experience was. I was oddly not surprised by this diagnosis. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think part of, I, you know, I've been very connected to my body. I've done a lot of interesting meditations and working with chakras and, and, you know, all sorts of stuff that interests me and fascinates me. And I felt was useful. And, um, I mean, I feel like years ago, I mean, even as many as five years ago, I felt like doing particular meditation, just sitting there trying to shine lights on this kind of area of my body. And, and I have a very good imagination and love connecting. I love using imagery and visualization. It's a very powerful tool for me. Um, so when I'm doing a meditation and can't, I just can't even shine a light on a certain, in a particular area of my body. And I just noticed that a few times and, oh, that's interesting. It feels like a dark spot or a little bit of a black hole down here in that root chakra area. And, um, so by the, you know, it's just interesting. Like what, I mean, what do you do with that information? <laughs> you know, right. Like, I do go to my doctor and be like, I need a colonoscopy. My, my root chakra is something's going on. You know, I don't, I don't know like what to do with that information. And, you know, honestly, even some of this stuff that I feel and sense in the world, it's like, I, I haven't fine tuned it enough to, to always listen really strongly. So you know, it was just kind of the thing that I noticed. And then a, a year before I even got diagnosed, I was having some more actual physical issues. I was like, something's up, something's in the way, something's not right. But everyone was saying, oh, no, no, you're too young. It can't, it's not cancer. Even though I was like, I think it is like, I think it's a too, you know, just, yeah. oh, no, 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 you're too young. So I kind of just wanted to hear that. I didn't want to worry about it. And so, yes, I am too young. Great. And try to work on other things that might help. And so then when I did finally get the colonoscopy, cause this is a big deal just for PSA, people in their thirties are getting colon cancer and dying quite frequently because no mm. one believes them and no one's check, you know, no one's checking or following up with any of this, um, right. because we're too young. Um, right. so, but anyway, I saw CNN put out a whole article about this and scared me to death. So I finally went in and I just was not at all surprised by the size, the shape, the location. I just was mm. not surprised. So, wow. so while I was scared, I was just, I, I think it's helpful. I think most people getting that news are scared and shocked, which is right. a double whammy. <laughs> At least yeah. with me, I was just, I was scared, but I was not, I, w- I just wasn't shocked. I felt like I have known about this and I really know about this. And so, so the thing I knew about, right, is the, the tumor, this colorectal tumor that made sense to me. Um, but what I didn't find out until later was that what made it stage four was not only was it in the lymph nodes down there, but I had several Mets to my liver. So that makes it stage four, which is this whole nother, it's a whole nother ball game. Like it's yeah. recurrence is insane. A lot of people with stage four have no hope of surgery and no hope of getting it all out. And I was mm-hmm. lucky that they were saying, you know, yes, we can do this liver surgery. All we have to do in quote, all we have to do is, you know, 
cut you open completely and take out 60% of your, the entire right lobe, 60% of your liver and gallbladder. And it's like, you know, and they're just excited. This is totally doable. We can treat this. And I'm just like, you know, looking at them just like, no, I mean, my biggest fear, I think my biggest fears before all of this were having any sort of real medical issue, hospitals, surgery, and cancer. Like that's just, that is a hundred percent all of my biggest adult fears. (laughs) Across yeah, the board. So you, you covered them. You're all done now. Yeah. No more fear for you. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so when they said this liver, you know, the, the other surgery is like by robots. And I was like, I think I can handle this. It seems reasonable. I can do this. I can rehab. I know this area. We can do this. But then with the liver piece and the like, it just comes with a lot of drama and a lot of, a lot more like that fear of being a little bit closer to death and maybe not, you know, just not, there's a lot yeah. of not knowing with that. And um, and then the surgery is terrifying and really scary. So that was the, my first surgery. Um, yeah. And so a big piece of my my support was um, being really specific with what I needed and, and listening to myself, listening to my body. Like, what do I need? I know this is impossible. Like, right now, I can't do this. I can't. I was terrified to go under for surgery and mm-hmm. definitely terrified for, terrified for something that big and scary. Mm-hmm. Um and so, so. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, um, so it's like, okay, well how in this moment I can't, like, I can't, and I won't like, this is impossible. I no, 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 no. I mean, a puddle of tears on the floor, sobbing, you know, like my husband basically holding me up from collapsing on the floor in the hospital when we found out. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, how, once you, once you finish your, your, you know, puddle on the floor, in the getting back up, I knew, I knew two things. (laughs) One, I knew I was going to need some major help. And so I started learning more. I had heard about something, a kind of therapy called somatic experiencing and reading about how it's helped some kids and adults before having surgery. So it's super helpful therapy for post-trauma. But for Mm -hmm. me, this was like, I need something like pre-trauma. Like this is a traumatizing thing to me that I have to do. So how do I how can I get there? And I knew just talking, I mean, everyone's like, Oh, here's a social worker and you should go to therapy. And I'm like, I can't, I could talk about this all day. That is not going to change anything. Like this is living very much in my body. I can feel it. And I've got, I need help there. And so there's a lot Mm -hmm. of therapies that I found, um, somatic experiencing brain spotting. And so I found this woman that has this physical background as well as the therapy background. And I mean, within a couple of sessions, she had me going from like, no, I will not. I cannot. I'm terrified. This cannot happen to, to being fine. And not, and even telling, you know, letting them roll on me into surgery and saying, please don't drug me. I'm fair. I'm fine. I I don't enjoy being drugged. Like I, it makes me feel mm-hmm. bad. I don't like that feeling. So could you please mm-hmm. just, I, I can handle it. I'm relaxed. I'm ready. Um, so to be able to just kind of walk in and be, to be ready and accepting um, which I thought was amazing. And we did very kind of physical and, you know, it was, it was just amazing how she was able to combine the two in a way that it was like, yes, all therapy should be this way. I totally agree. All therapy should be like that. And you and I talked a little bit before when we were prepping for the show about, um, the whole mind body connection thing, excuse me. And that's why I kind of focused on that as the the theme in addition to your story for, for this episode, because you clearly have a really strong connection between the two. And so it makes sense that you would seek out therapy that honored that. Right. 
And I had never even heard of some of that. And I live with a psychiatrist. So <laughs> um, I'm excited to share that with others. And we'll include some, some info on that in the show notes for sure. Amazing. And then the other piece that I, we talked about, um, just the asking for help piece mm -hmm. and not mm -hmm. only, um, so there's some standards when you're going through surgery or cancer and people want to bring you food and people want to, um, you know, they, they want to, I had people offer to clean my bathroom, which is genius by the, you know, when you're offering help, it's always great to get super specific like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm going to yeah. come over and do this. It's like, great. Cause sometimes people don't know what they need. Um, mm -hmm. But the things that I, a big thing that I was very proud of myself for reaching out for was, um, I had done kind of right around the time in my early stage at my the beginning of this journey, we had done a mother blessing for a friend of ours and it was kind of a new group of people. And the first time we had done something like this together and I afterwards, it was so beautiful and everybody benefited from it, benefited from it, not just the mom to be, we all just felt so wonderful. And and then afterwards I said, you know what, you guys, I think this is what I need before my liver sur before that first surgery. Like I need, let's just make it up. I need a surgery blessing. Like I need what we did here, but for me, <laughs> you know, and who does like, who asked for that? It sounds like, you know, like do this, everybody, you all just like gather in a room and bring things, you know, they, they got a book. They all, um, even got to people that were not in town. So back in New York and all over and kind of all contributed a reading or a poem or something to inspire me and to kind of pick me up, lift me up along the way, you know, for the whole journey. And, um, and I really specifically asked for that and it was so perfect. And you know, what was born out of that is, now I, we do women's circles all the time that have been extremely powerful for every single person involved. And I mean, it was huge. And I just think there's so many people that would never, even if they kind of, you know, oh, I wouldn't want to burden anyone and I wouldn't want to, I don't, I don't know, or I'm not, I'm not worth it. Like I'm not, I don't know. I just, I would want to shout out to everyone like you are and everyone else is going to benefit from from these deep, meaningful experiences. Like these are those larger than life moments. And I said to everyone at the surgery blessing, I was like, we need to not do this when someone's scared of dying, like about to die, it feels like, you know, we need to do this regularly and share and connect in the same way for each other, not just for me. And so that's where the women's circle started coming out of. And it's just, it's been magic and extremely powerful. Oh. I bet that's, I mean, that sounds so beautiful and, and so badass like, for real. Cause you know, to me, the definition of badass, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, having 30 tattoos and riding a Harley or whatever, although if that's your thing and these other words are true for you, then great. But it's more about, you know, resilience and courage and, you know, knowing when to ask for help and not feeling guilty about it, but appreciating as, as you obviously did, that it can be a benefit for all, not just a burden. You know, people do actually get an endorphin rush from helping others. You know, it's just, they sometimes don't know what to do. Um, so that I think is an, another reason why you, um, you know, why I think you're a genuine badass because you knew what you needed and you knew to ask for it and you were okay with that. And look at the miracle that it created, not just for you, but for all the women that were involved in that. So yeah. High five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I, I would never have considered myself a badass 
generally mm. speaking before, and, you know, I hear your definition and even then, you know, I'm not always, you know, I tend to be shy in some situations. I tend to be a little bit more, you know, like there are a lot of things that I might hold back sometimes, Yeah. but, uh, yeah, I mean, this experience is definitely change that a little, you know, I do, I feel all the things you're saying and I absolutely, yeah. You know, uh, so, yeah. You do, so you do technically feel like a badass now. You just yeah. didn't yeah, maybe yeah. put the right, um, definition to it. Right. Well, and I, I, you know, honestly, I never had to step up in this way before I've mm-hmm. had a pretty, I've been able to coast, right. I've mm-hmm. been able to kind of coast through things up until this point. It's been relatively easy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I guess good to know, good to know <laughs> me and my family can, can hack it when, when the shit hits yeah. the fan, but. Let's circle back to that ice climbing adventure, <laughs> <laughs> complete the circle of the story. So, um, talk to us a little bit about that trip and, and how that qualifies as, um, cancer treatment. <laughs> okay. So the, the group that I went with, it's, it's really an amazing group and they're national and they are called first descent mm-hmm. and first they descent. take, yeah, they take cancer survivors, cancer patients on adventure trips. So specifically outdoor adventure trips, um, both for the, you know, the idea nature heals as well mm-hmm. as putting yourself in hard situations and, you know, Mm -hmm. being able to overcome those challenges. And one of the participants that I'm friends with now, you know, as we were sharing towards the end of the first day of ice climbing, she, she said something about, it was about getting to choose like the, the cancer challenge, no one chooses. And, you know, I, I did not choose that. I just kind of got thrown it and then had to figure out how to deal ice climbing was something that we all chose to do that weekend. And it did put us out of our comfort zone and it feels very empowering to get to do that overcoming, you know, being brave, doing something that's hard and challenging when it is your choice. So when the whole rest of my year was a lot of like, just this getting shoved in my face and um, this was at least scary and interesting and I mean, at some level, maybe fun. <laughs> Are you sure? Because I think when I first asked you, you were like, mm, I wouldn't say fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I need to do it again. And But, you know, it is, it's very satisfying and to get, I mean, it, it's, it's a steep wall of ice. You're, you're on harnesses, so it is technically safe and you can sit into it. But you're also, you know, you shove little crampons into the ice. So then you can step on it. You got to put all your weight on your, you know, you're, you're in the ice by like half an inch of these little crampons. You got to put all your weight on your feet, stemping on those two little half inches of ice. And then with, you know, right and left hand, you're swinging a pickaxe one at a time to like, try to get it hooked into the ice. It doesn't always go. And then, you know, and then you're just like doing that higher and higher and higher and higher up a waterfall. Yikes. Wow. Um, and it was just so many, it was such a great time for me to start sharing my story because a, I felt good enough to be ice climbing, which was a miracle in itself to me. Um, but then there were so many parallels between making that climb for me and, or those climbs and kind of going through this journey. And it was like, you know, cause 
I think the first day when I was first learning, I was just gripping too hard. I was trying too hard and my hands would give out. I'd get to a certain height and be like, you got to get me down. I can't grip the ice picks anymore. I'm going to drop them and I can't pick myself up. So then the second day I kind of learned a little bit from watching everybody else and seeing, wait a minute, you know, I'm on a harness. I'm a beginner. There's no reason I need to have my entire body weight being held in my hands the entire time, you know? So it's like, so give the harness a little weight, you know, there's the asking for help thing. (laughs) You don't have to do it on your own. So, you, you know, you can sit into it a little bit and take a break, relax your hands, use your feet. And then like, when you're ready, grab that pickaxe. And like, it might take a couple of times to get it to hit and get in the ice and then just haul your ass up another couple inches. And then like, and then you reset, get your feet up a little bit higher. If you need a break, sit down, you know, and then get a little higher. And I remember thinking on the one, the second day, it was, it was like three times the height than we did the first day. And just looking up and being like, you know, I'm not, I don't need to make it to the top of this. It's fine. (laughs) Like, this is amazing. I'm doing great. There's no reason I need to get to the top. And then kind of once I got to the first ledge, I was like, you know what? I can keep, you know, it's that just step-by-step being in the moment. And in that moment, it's like, can you go a little bit further? Yes. In that moment, I could go a little bit further. And then in that next moment, I could go a little bit further. And then next moment. So there's the, you know, being present and you can't look at the whole journey because that's too much and it's exhausting and it's terrifying. But if you just go that step-by-step, you know, it's, it, it is doable. Am I breathing hard and scared and my heart is bumping? Yes. (laughs) But, but is it doable? Yes. With the support. Yeah. And that sounds like, it makes sense that that's such a clear metaphor to the journey of cancer treatment, right? That same idea of if you look at the whole thing and imagine what could happen, it's hard to breathe. (laughs) But one step at a time, you made it through. And now you're, I think you said you're more than six months past your last um, scan and surgery and so forth, which is awesome. And you're in great health Mm -hmm. wise, right? So we're like, just outliving it as um I think is as the they say yeah that's their that's their motto right? yeah <laughs> which is awesome talk to me a little bit about how other folks who are listening who might be inspired by your story or interested in the work you do because you you were doing even before you were diagnosed you were doing work with cancer patients as well correct I wasn't doing work with cancer patients before I was diagnosed so that's the that's the newest piece just based on my own experience and that's kind of my attitude going through at some point you know mm-hmm. after you know we talk about all the stages of grief I kind of went through for sure but you know when I got to that acceptance phase of like all right fine you guys just break me, tear me apart, you know, and you know, they did because they did all of it a million times over four surgeries, chemo, radiation, the whole nine yards, just like whatever you're going to do to me, I don't care. I'm going to fix it. Like I, I don't care. Do it all. And so I just kind of had that attitude going through. Um, and with the goal of not only will I bound, you know, am I bound and determined to, help myself get back to where I want to be as a still very much young and active person and a dancer. Um, but then, you know, fine, then I'm just going to go and help everybody else that's dealing with this because doctors, just like after birth, that's why I got into doing postnatal work is because I feel like women are often given, and now I know cancer patients are often given these ideas about what they can and can't do and what's Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's like, oh, you're a mom, like you're going to leak a little, you're going to, you know, experience these things. You're going to have a little pooch. You're going to have low back pain or whatever it is. I'm like, no, 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 no. And just like cancer patients, you're going to have, oh, there's nothing you can do about neuropathy and, oh, that's just scar tissue and there's not much you can do about it. Or yes, you know, same with radiation. There's all these side effects that Mm -hmm. leave you feeling broken and, um, and I just, I just, I just want to shake up that world and say, stop telling people that you, there's nothing you can do for neuropathy. There's plenty that you can do to help that. And, you know, all these other things, issues that come up. And I just want, that's my, you know, another one of the missions now. Is yeah, no, I love up. it. That makes perfect sense. I, I, um, I just didn't know. I didn't realize that that was a new thing, but that makes perfect sense. That's so spirit dancer. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to add, like, I think I had maybe considered doing some work with cancer patients, but that scared me. Like working with cancer patients was almost a fear. And I had worked with a couple people going through chemo and it just, it scared me. Like, I don't know what to do with it. It's, I just, yeah, just even the thought of anyone having cancer is just scary. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I, I don't know you know, I'll help if I can, but I don't really know. And I don't really want to learn more. Right. Right. Well, so if someone wanted, someone listening to this episode wanted to um, get in touch with you about those programs, either for themselves or for a loved one, what is the best way for them to do that? So my website is the thrivingbody.com. So that's yeah, one we'll way add can... that to the show notes too. So Great. people don't have to worry about spelling it. <laughs> yeah, And there's not a lot, like this is all very new. So my website isn't updated with that. I do a lot of the, can- well, there's some classes in Colorado that are at an oncology rehab clinic, but there's not a lot of detailed information about kind of this new piece of me and how I work. We're working mm-hmm. on that because I'm definitely, the whole thing will be a little bit kind of re redone, but you nope. get an idea. It's always a work in progress. Always, always. <laughs> um, so emailing me, Zoe at the thrivingbody.com is another great way to get in touch. So um, the 30-day challenge that I did recently was I called it daily movement adventures. Um, so it's coming from the work that I just finished certifying as a restorative exercise specialist with Katie Bowman. And that's kind of taken my work to a new level of what is the work we're doing at a daily, yeah, at a daily level. So instead of just thinking of exercise as this thing that you do however many times a week for an hour, um, starting to think of the little ways you're moving your body every day. And so the daily movement adventures is just a, it's about 10 emails over the course of 30 days to create new movement habits. So it talks a lot about the hows and the whys. It's a great thing to play with. Um, if you're looking, if you feel like you're not getting enough movement in, or I used all of these tools to rehab from surgery and really all of this stuff, radiation, all of it. So whether you're coming back from something else or you only have an exercise program that's, you know, this hour here and this hour there, anyone would benefit and learn a lot from it. Um, but if you want to check that out, that's all on my website. So yeah, so share one, one example, like one thing that folks can do, you know, right now, or as soon as they finish listening to us to start feeling better in their bodies. I mean, the one that would kind of, to me, kill two birds with one stone is the, the first one is just breath. 
and it sounds so silly and plain, but by breath, I mean, I also tied it in at the end when we talk more about listening to your body, Mm -hmm. but if you can start just taking a minute and whether you're sitting or lying down, I do an exercise where you're lying down and have one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly. And just noticing if you're taking a a full focused breath, are both hands moving or Mm -hmm. are you kind of stuck in the chest or stuck in your belly? And that's one way to start to kind of slow things down and really listen, listen to the rest of your body. Um, just by opening up your breath. And if you do feel that you can't breathe into a particular area of your body, just kind of sitting with that and noticing and seeing if you can let go and open that up. Um, which I think goes with, with the idea of how can we create enough space to in our day to be aware of our body and what we're doing. And so kind of drawing your attention to your breath is a common way to, to start that process, to get us out of yeah. our heads all the time. And eventually that it will grow into noticing, noticing various feelings or expectations. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that will show up in your body if you listen, yeah. which then can lead you to knowing what you need whether it's something that you can help yourself with, like, oh, I need to move a little bit in this funny little way, or, oh, I need to ask for help because I'm overwhelmed right now and that's not feeling good in my body. You know, just, it's a start. Yeah, It's I, it's funny, like, I think breath is such an important thing. And I've, I've read a couple books on just that topic, as mm-hmm. bizarre as that sounds. But mm-hmm. I think that's such an important piece of the mind-body connection, which, again, is clearly played out in your recent experiences. and. I, I think that that's just taking that moment that, you know, people are like, I'm too busy to like stop and breathe. And I breathe all the time anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm like, why do I need to pay attention to it? But there is something very different about consciously breathing mm-hmm. and noticing, um, where you are stuck and where you're not. And, and, and I think it really is kind of that gateway to the mind body connection. I think about almost like, you know, you can have your iPhone or whatever device you have in your pocket all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you never put it down to recharge, like right. it's not, or you never even restart it, also it will start glitching. It start, you know, it, there's only so much you can do unless you're kind of right. Yeah, ca- yeah caring and, for. And I feel like it's a, it's like the next step. You know, the big thing lately has been mindfulness, mm-hmm. which I feel like sometimes leaves out, and that I mean has a lot to do with clearing your mind and breath is a big part of it. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's more and there's more to the 30 day challenge that kind of draws more awareness into the rest of the body as well. Um, but I feel like there's, yeah, there's a place that's, it's like mindfulness, but for, for the, in, including the body in the yeah. mindfulness part, which I think is kind of a missing link these days. Yep. And yep. a lot of what yep. I help people to do is kind of get that map of their body back online instead of just your body as being something, you know, we talked about this, that the idea of your body being something at, to like overcome or um, how did you put it? There's something in the way or to overcome or that you're battling all the time mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. like, well, wait a second. Like this is your vehicle to get through this one wild and precious life, you know, like right. what, not an obstacle. <laughs> right. Yeah. So how can we, and it's okay to figure out like, how can we love our bodies in the moment or be present in them? But also maybe part of that is being willing and interesting, interested in still changing that, but, you know, finding the, finding both at the same time, there's no black and white. There is no perfect. Um, I say those things all, all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah. But how do we kind of find it all and just find a better place to have our adventures from a more comfortable place to live and adventure and experience life fully and not just from the head up, I guess. Yeah. Y'all hear that? (laughs) Those are wise words. And, and the best part is that you actually, you, you know, you live that value. It's not just like hype or BS or a a cute little tagline. Like that really is how you've moved gracefully the spirit dancer way. I'm going to start calling you that from now on Um, through this intense, terrifying stretch of your life that, you know, came out of nowhere. So much gratitude going your way, Zoe. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, I implore you, if you have any place in your body that you're not (laughs) feeling like, you know, like that you're feeling like it's an obstacle instead of like uh, your vehicle, your tool for enjoying life, then please check out the thrivingbody.com. Um, Zoe kicks ass. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Marta. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zoe. I'll see you guys next week on the next episode of the Ignite Junior Badass Podcast. Bye.